0: Forgot to mention, I got to see uh, Josh and Sheena Welch this last week. They had a baby girl, Ella. So uh, pretty exciting, pretty exciting. Uh, I don't see him here this morning. I don't know what, the, what that's about, but uh, I don't know. And and Shalia, yeah, that too. See, I can't even keep up. So uh, Shalia uh, had a baby as well, the Nellis' daughter. Uh, Nellis is here, or are you guys partying as well? Yes, okay. So yeah, little girl. And her name is Evelyn Noel. Okay. So, um that would be Shelia Mockler. So anyway, so excited for them and uh we're celebrating a new life with them today, uh that God has given. So, um would you grab a Bible and turn to John chapter three? And we're going to start in uh, John 3.16. You heard it once during the Advent reading. Let's look at it one more time here. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So we are spending time this Advent season talking about how light overcomes darkness. And in particular today, we're going to talk about how light overcomes the darkness of our deeds. Uh, That would be sinful actions. And and the particular angle I'm taking on this morning is this reality that this is the time of year when we gather with family and we we tend to bump into sinful attitudes and behaviors of people that we love within our family it's it's going to happen we're gonna, we're going to bump into those things how can i understand what's going on within our family a little better because every family's got this it it, it could be The jealousy factor, you know, someone's playing favorites. One of the parents plays favorites and it looks a lot like maybe Joseph and Jacob's family with the coat of many colors, you know, or or maybe maybe it's, you know, there's this rivalry and jealousy that comes from someone's well off and and someone's not so much kind of like your your Jacob and Esau. I want his birthright. I want his blessing. I want what he's got coming to him. Maybe there's some of that going on. Maybe it's it's family secrets that we don't talk about, but things we know have happened and they're not being dealt with. Maybe it's an, an antagonistic person to all things of the faith. And that just comes out when you get together. But regardless, I, I know, as I look at Scripture, there's not really many examples of healthy families. Have you ever noticed that? I always think of when I come to Mother's Day and Father's Day, like, like, like you know, give me this really great picture of a family. There's some, but there's not a lot because there's this stuff going on. And and, and the Bible doesn't shy away from talking about it. So here's what I want to do. I don't want to shy away from talking about it either. I want to look at John 3 and ask this question, you know, what is going on with with the deeds of darkness within our families? What's going on there? And how does Christ's light shine into those places? And then... Finally, like, what could I do different this holiday season to maybe make an impact? I'll, I'll end with that idea. OK? So what I want to focus on uh, is John 3:16 through 21. There's a little bit of a debate on the verses I just read. Some people think Jesus said these words to Nicodemus. If you remember the whole context, Nicodemus is a religious leader. He comes to Jesus by night. And we don't really know why he came to Jesus by night. Maybe it was because he was a little bit embarrassed to talk to Jesus, who was a controversial figure. Or maybe on the positive side, Jesus was just so busy that the best time to talk to him was at night. You know, we don't know, but Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, and they're having this conversation. Jesus says he must be born again. And Nicodemus, who should have known better, didn't know better. Like, what does that mean, born again? Do I go in my mother's womb again? He's taking it very, very literally, which is kind of silly. And Jesus has to point out the right, you know, way to look at that. And then you have John 3.16. Now, some people think Jesus actually said these words in Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Other people think this is John the Apostle who's writing this. He's like commenting on what Jesus has said. I'm kind of filling in some blanks for you. And it's one of the reasons people think maybe Jesus didn't say it is because he talks about God so loving the world. Whereas maybe he would have said like, the father, my father loves the world. You know, it, it, it sounds like one step removed, maybe. And maybe John is the one that wrote it. But I don't think that's the main thing I really want to focus on this morning. I really want to get to verses 19 through 21. 19 through 21. Because it says something that really, it really surprised me. It puts a different spin on Christmas for me, I think, a little bit. Uh, verse 19 says, this is the verdict light has come into the world but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil this is the verdict some of you love courtroom dramas you know who you are and whether whether you like the real life ones or whether you like the fictional ones you're always waiting for the final verdict aren't you you know and it's a real life courtroom drama you want to know, did they get away with it or did they did they get found guilty? You know? Or or if it seems like they're innocent to you, you're really hoping the jury acquits them. But you're always waiting for that moment. It's always the end of the show, too. You gotta to wait for like the last minute. There's no way you're gonna hear that thing halfway through. It's always like the last five minutes, and you're gonna hear the verdict. Guilty, not guilty, even waiting for that moment. And so I read this and it says, This is a verdict. Light has come into the world. Some translations say this is a judgment. Light has come into the world. Well, what does that mean? Because I read this a couple of verses earlier, right? A couple of verses earlier it says uh, that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's verse 17. Like Christmas happened not for condemnation, but for salvation. And yet I read the next few verses, verse 19, it says it's a verdict. It's a judgment. Light has come. Christmas is a judgment? Christmas is a verdict? What's up with that? And I think I think the best way to understand it is that it, it's not so much like the final judgment's still coming, right? Like we're not there yet. We're not at that final judgment day. But there's a rationale for the judgment. There's a reason the judge gives the verdict he gives. He's he's thinking, he's in the chambers. Imagine the jury deliberating before they come up with the verdict. And they're looking at all the reasons you might declare the person guilty and all the reasons they might be innocent. And and you're weighing all the evidence. And and it's like, this is the evidence. Light has come into the world, but people love their darkness more than the light. It's like, that's what the deliberation, that's the deliberation, that's like the behind the scenes looking at what's going on This is why you get a verdict. Because light has come, but people didn't want it. They chose their darkness. And so the reality is, the problem in your family, my family, all of our families, is this. People love darkness. People love darkness. It's the problem for all of us, in all of our families. Well, let me go a little bit deeper on that. What does that mean, that we love darkness? I'd say two things you ought to notice about this passage as it relates to darkness. The first one is this, that darkness is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Let's read it again. Um, This is the verdict. Lights come into the world that men love. I see the word love. It's a heart thing. And then it says, um, everyone who does evil, this is verse 20, hates the light, won't come into the light for Fear. That that his deeds will be exposed. So I see love, hate, fear. These are all these are very loaded heart issue kind of words. Darkness is a heart issue. I have affection for what is wrong, what is sinful. It is there, unless Christ changes me, unless He's transforming me. There is an affection for what is evil, what is wrong, and that's what's going on in our families. And so, in some sense, I wish we could hand people. You know a a how to get out of your darkness book. You know uh, that'd be the Bible, right? But but you know um, I wish we could just tell people. And and the problem is, a lot of people in our family, they might know intellectually that what they're doing is wrong, what they're doing is hurting the family. But that doesn't change the heart. That's the problem. The heart is still set, and still has affection for what is wrong. And so you can sit down with that person and say, look. This isn't right for A, B, C, D, and E reasons. Like, i got five reasons why that's a bad idea. But the heart wants what the heart wants. And unless I deal with the heart issue, it's not going to, it might not change. Now, don't get me wrong, some people can change. I mean, I think God gives grace to everybody, right? I mean, we, we can all change in certain ways. But to really transform the heart is the work of Christ. And that's why you read in here, it says um, that, that, Everyone who does evil hates the light. It won't come into the light for fear that these will be exposed. So, so, if you do darkness, you hate light. You hate it. So maybe you wonder why, why is that family member so antagonistic to the faith? It, maybe they had a bad church experience. I mean, I'll give them that. But somewhere in there, there is a, There is a battle between light and darkness, and the darkness says, I hate the light. I hate it. And so you're going to see that. That's going to come out. You should expect to see some antagonism for things of the light. It's going to happen. It's a heart issue. But also, when we say people love darkness, we also know that it's a moral issue. It's a moral issue because people, it says, they fear coming into the light, verse 20. They don't want to come into the light. Because their deeds will be exposed. It's a moral issue. So sometimes people will say, "I'm not a Christian because I have intellectual uh, disagreements with God." And I don't, I don't want to belittle those disagreements. You know, like sometimes we have to talk to people, and, and and we can meet them on the level of their of their mind. Like I've been thinking about this, and I don't see how a loving God can allow this to happen. And, and you can talk through those some some of those intellectual issues people have. But but mark it down. Underneath the intellectual issues, underneath all of that is I don't want to repent. Okay? I have a fear that if I step into the light, it's going to expose what I've done and I have to turn from that evil thing that actually I'm enjoying quite a bit. Underneath all of the intellectual arguments is a moral issue. I don't want to change. I think what I'm doing is fine. And that's at the bottom of it all, as, as Christ points out here. There's hope, though. Look at the end. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Here's the solution. Light exposes the darkness. That's the solution for our families. Shine light and let the darkness be exposed. There it is. How does that happen? What's the hope for our families that light might expose this darkness? Because, I mean, I kind of thought of it as, you know, growing up, I've, I've seen so many cartoons and TV shows. And when a criminal escapes the prison, inevitably there's always a searchlight, you know, going out, you know, and trying to search for the prisoner. And they're, and they're like hiding in the shadows, you know, and the light's coming right beside them. And it's it's like really anxiety produced. They're going to get caught. They're going to make it out. And it's bad because you want them to make it out even though you shouldn't. But right, you know, they're, they're like, they're dodging the light. And that's, and it's comical, but we know the sad reality is that is how it is in the lives of people we love. There, there is a dodging of the light. And trying to stay away from it now, the first time I read verse twenty one I wanted to pat myself on the back. you know it's funny right because it says i'm sorry verse twenty two twenty one yeah whoever lives by the truth comes into the light now don't misunderstand because because you could read whoever lives by the truth comes into the light i am I am a truth doer, of course, I came into the light, I love truth, and i'm gonna i I, I don't think I don't think we're trying to pat yourself on the back to say, oh, it's so wonderful, you know, you, you, over all those people in darkness in your family, you came to the truth. Good job. No, no, I I look at the last part of the verse, and yes, you did come into the light, you did walk by the truth, but then I see, so that may be seen plainly, what he has done has been done through God. Uh, I'm going to switch my points around here, Al. Let's do point two first on that one. I'm talking about it. Um, Your deeds shine with the light of Christ. Your, Your deeds shine. So when you are with family members and you shine, it shows that what has been done has been done by God. God gets the glory. He gets the credit. Yes, you step into the light. You step in and you were a truth seeker. You wanted to know the truth. And you sought the Lord. But number one, He invited you into it. You can put number one up. He invited you into the light. And you respond to that call. And He's still doing that. That's John 3.16. For God to love the world. Whosoever believes in Him should not perish. Whosoever. The invitation's still going out. There's still hope. For whoever is in your family that is walking in darkness, there's still hope. That person, but as they relate to you and as they see you over the holidays, there's going to be a bumping in of light and darkness. And as I read this, there's no room for me to feel pride or arrogance over the fact that I'm in the light and someone else is not, because it says clearly in 21, what's been done, my deeds. So look at this. You know, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that may be seen plainly that what he has done. That would be his deeds have been done through God. So there's deeds of darkness and deeds of light, and my deeds of light only come about because God has produced them. He's worked in me. I've submitted myself to him. I still have to make the decision to do them, but he was working in me to do it. There's no place for me to boast or feel better than my family members who are not saved. There's no place for that because God did this. And I'm just showing off his light. I'm not showing off me, I'm showing off him. And if your family member hates that, you're just going to have to hate it. You may be accused of shining too brightly, the goody two-shoes kind of thing, but shine. Because God did that in you. You didn't do that. God did that in you. So, I'd like to give some uh, very practical like, okay, so when we get together as a family, give me a little pep talk, you know? Like, like how do I shine? How, how, how do I, what does that look like? And to do that, I'd love to take you to Ephesians 5. Would you go to Ephesians chapter 5? Some of you know, just when I say that, exactly where I'm going with this. Ephesians 5, uh, verse 8. And you know these are applications for family gatherings, but you know they, they could be any gathering, anytime you're with people who need light shined into their life. I just I just chose kind of a narrow you know this is this is what I'm talking about this morning, but this could apply obviously anywhere in your life. Five applications for family gatherings. Let's read Ephesians five, eight, and uh, following. Ephesians five, eight. that makes everything visible. This is why it said, Wake up, O sleepers. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Five applications for family gatherings. Number one, don't get lured into bad behavior. Don't get lured in by the deeds of darkness. You can see that here. Um, you were once darkness, verse 8 but now you're light in the Lord live as children of light verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness have nothing to do with it so there's a conversation going on it doesn't honor Christ not a good topic you've got to separate yourself somehow you've got to change that topic you've got to do something don't get lured into the, that old behavior, the old ways of speaking to one another. Don't do it. Everybody makes a decision that they're going to do this, and, and and you know that that is wrong. You got to take a stand. Don't get lured in by the bad behavior of other people. But secondly, don't even talk about the lurid details. So, I mean, that, that's that's not me saying that. Of course, that's that's Paul saying it. Um, it's shameful, verse 12, even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Sometimes we get talking and things get shared, details that shouldn't be mentioned. Look, light exposes darkness, but it doesn't need to talk about all the dirty details. That's what Paul is saying. There is a part where we talk, I'm going to get to that in a second, but it doesn't need to dig into every little, all the little minutiae. It's not worth talking about. Although there's a part of us that craves sometimes to talk about those things or to hear about those things. What did they do? How long ago did that happen? What's going on there? And we kind of want to dig in a little bit. Don't, don't even go there. Just stay away from me. That's a good rule of thumb when you're gathering with family. Inevitably, someone's going to bring something up like that. Number three. Let your actions be a contrast to the darkness. I think that's what it means when he talks about verse 9. Now he says, Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Apparently Paul's mixing metaphors there because light doesn't have fruit, but you get what he means. You know, uh, Light doesn't bear fruit, but in our sense it does. Goodness, righteousness, truth. Bear the fruit. Speak the truth. Live righteously. And you know what? It's true that, that your life on display in front of your family might make them uncomfortable. That's okay. That's okay. That's what we say when we mean we're exposing the darkness. It's a contrast to it. Your life, their life, it looks very different. And they might be very uncomfortable with that. That's okay. That's what exposure does. Let your actions be a contrast. Now, by doing that, you don't even have to say a word there, obviously. I mean, that, that's just you doing your walk of faith. That's just you living as a believer. But fourthly, let your words be a corrective to the darkness. Speak about it. Bring it up. So when, I think there's a fine line here because he says in verse 12 again, it's shameful to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. The light makes everything visible. So at some point, I'm talking and exposing darkness to light. At some point, I'm saying, no, that's wrong. That's sin. That doesn't work. God has a better way. That's breaking the commands of God. My grandma was a master at this, you know. Get together in family gathering. She'd she, she start pointing out your sin. and She could get away with it somehow. I don't know. She could She could just say it. And, and somehow we were all okay with it. Um, you kind of can see where what well, you can say, but but they are corrective words. They're not always going to go over well. But if they're said with humility and grace, you can speak that truth to somebody that you love and expose darkness. And yes, they might duck from the spotlight of your words. But again, that's okay. Keep loving Keep asking God, how do I wisely say this? How do I gently say this? Is this the time? Is it outside the normal family gathering and just me and that person that I love? I mean, you got to use wisdom in all these things. But at some point, words come into it. Words that say, that's darkness. That doesn't lead down a good path. And fifthly, in all of these things, what you really want is ask the Spirit to fill you. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So you ask the Holy Spirit, Spirit, tell me how to say this. Tell me when. Show me. Control me. Let my action shine. I pray the spotlight's not on me, but on what you've done in me. You've got to ask the Holy Spirit to do these things and control you when you're with your family. And He will. He will fill you up. I want to pray for you in a minute. And my prayer for you is going to be that as you gather together at parties with family and friends, that your presence there would be felt as light. And I know that could be a little awkward, but it's okay. Be the light in those places. Shine brightly. And and perhaps... Perhaps the person you're shining on will hear Christ say in verse 14, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and I'll shine on you. Let's pray. Lord, um, we're thankful for the places you send us. We're thankful for the people that you send us to. Help us see ourselves this season as a people going to those that are dwelling in darkness. Help us live as wise, not as unwise amongst them. Help us not to back away from shining, but to be clear that all credit goes to you. What has happened in our lives, you have done. We give you glory. We pray for those that will experience our light shining from us through you this season. There will be the natural tendency to duck. But I pray for some of them that they might step into it and seek this truth. Seek this child that was born that can set people free. Would you help us be a part of shining that light? In Jesus' name, amen.